Please flick with me to Luke 24, as we open God's word. Verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground and the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day he will be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. And turn now to John 20, verse 19. Or not? We can do Matthew too. <laughs> Matthew 20. Oh. Okay, if you've got your Bibles, good on you. Um, so, John verse 20, no, chapter 20, verse 19. On the, on the evening of the last day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. 
Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. For those who, who may not know me, uh, my name is Ross Patterson, and I have the privilege of preaching God's word to you this morning. Uh, there was something I had to say to you. Uh, memory's getting a bit blank these days. Oh, yes, he is risen. Well done. With a little bit more excitement, he is risen. Sounds as if you might believe that. Good on you, Amanda. You're going to enjoy this, aren't you? Well, congregation, this is the Wilton Christian Community Church, and we're making serious attempts to be a community church. That is, to be involved with the suburb and be a blessing to it. That's why we've done a letterbox drop inviting families in the district to join us on this special day when the Christian church remembers and celebrates the resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth from the dead. We want to share this good news with you. On Friday, which we call Good Friday, we remembered and celebrated the crucifixion of Jesus on a Roman cross outside Jerusalem. It may seem a little strange in fact, very strange that Christians should call it a Good Friday as that was when Jesus died the cruelest of deaths for our sins. But that's what makes it good. Good because the Bible provides much evidence that Jesus was no ordinary man but the Son of God himself sent on a divine mission to die a substitutionary death on behalf of all those who believe in Jesus. And though he died physically at the hands of the Roman soldiers, Christians remember that it was his father punishing him for the sins, transgressions of us. Substitutionary death. Now that's an historical confession that is unique to Christianity where God loves and redeems unworthy people because he is a God of undeserved mercy. Undeserved mercy. We call it grace. You've all heard the hymn Amazing Grace. Well, that's what Jesus' crucifixion is all about. Now that was Friday, but today 
It is Sunday, Easter Sunday, or Resurrection Sunday. And when the soldiers were sure he was dead on that Friday, they did this by piercing his side with a spear. And then his body was removed from the cross. And one of his secret disciples, Joseph of Arimathea, a religious leader, asked Pilate, the governor of Jerusalem, for his body. That was no use to Pilate. He had been quite disinterested in the whole proceedings. Jesus' body, therefore, was given to Joseph for burial, with the proviso that guards be placed at the tomb and a seal placed on the stone, in his mind, to prevent Jesus' disciples stealing the body. Now, as the Jewish Sabbath began at sunset, the friends of Jesus buried him quickly in the unused tomb of Joseph, the guards sealing the stone that covered the opening. And on Saturday, which was the Sabbath, nothing was done, as it was a day when the Jews ceased their work in accordance with the commandment. And then, early on the Sunday morning, before dawn, a group of the women among Jesus' disciples went to the tomb with the intention of completing the burial of the body with spices and perfumes. But when they arrived, they were shocked and disheartened to find that the stone had been rolled away. In fact, as they neared the tomb, they suddenly realized that they could not move the stone at all. An angel was sitting on it, having opened it, and the guards had fainted at the sight. And then the divine messenger gave them this astonishing news. Do not be afraid. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. And here we come to the crux of the Christian faith. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead. The question that people raise in our society today, did Jesus rise from the dead or not? That is the question, to borrow from Hamlet. If he did, then humanity is making a very big mistake in rejecting Jesus and his claims to be the Son of God and the Saviour of sinners, let alone the judge of all humanity when he returns a second time. If he didn't die, if he didn't rise from the dead, then the Christian religion is based on the biggest lie that has ever been successful as it has become one of the three major religions of the world and is the foundation of Western civilization's moral and social and scientific and economic structure. If one accepts the physical resurrection of Christ, then it follows logically that one must then respond positively to this Christ who has power 
over death. And this has resulted in many attempts of unbelieving philosophers, academics, even some theologians, believe it or not, to rebut the claims of the Bible and the Christian faith. The first of many, we can't handle them all this morning, the first was tried, the first who tried were the Romans. Their answer to the empty tomb was to spread the rumour that his disciples had stolen the body during the night. But really they were up the creek without a paddle, weren't they? As they then had to explain how this could be done when Pilate had secured the sites with armed guards. Meanwhile, we read that Jesus' disciples were all in hiding, fearing that they would be the next in line for crucifixion. You can imagine the fear in their hearts. They were not in the right, right frame of mind for a rescue mission and the beginning of a new world religion. A second unbelieving rationale is that Jesus didn't die. He had just passed out, become unconscious. And when taken from the cross by his disciples, he was quickly resuscitated and escaped. For this to be true, it is necessary to believe that the Romans didn't know when a person was dead. A difficult proposition to prove. To enable the body to be buried before nightfall, the soldiers finished off the then alive Jesus with a spear thrust to his side. And it is recorded by eyewitnesses that outflowed blood and water. Signs that death had occurred. Only corpses were removed from crosses. A third theory is that Jesus' disciples made up the resurrection story to suit their purpose of starting a new religion. Well, apart from the implausibility of this theory, after all, founding a new religion on a lie would be a pretty romantic task, requiring people to be very intelligent. Judas, one of the 12 disciples closest to Jesus, had already committed suicide. He wasn't interested in any religion. He had lost all faith in Jesus' teachings. Starting a new religion was the last thing in the minds of the remaining 11. They exhibited loss of faith and fear of losing their lives. They acted like lost souls. Plans for the future were far from their minds. And the last theory for this morning, there are many, you know. The last theory used to explain away Christ's resurrection is that the disciples in the upper room of that resurrection Sunday had a group hallucination. You may smile. That led them to believe that their rabbi had risen from the dead. Well, apart from a total lack of evidence and the difficulties of a group of 11 having exactly the same hallucination simultaneously, we have the historic evidence of Thomas, for example, 
who was in full control of his mind, when the remaining ten told him that they had seen the risen Christ, he totally rejected their supposition, demanding to maintain his unbelief, not doubts congregation, unbelief that he had until he had plunged his hand into the spear-made wound of Jesus and placed his fingers in the nail prints of his hands, he would not believe. No hallucinating there. If non-Christians were really honest, they would have to acknowledge that their unbelief of Jesus rising from the dead is simply their excuse for not wanting to believe in Jesus and his demands on their life. Because if Jesus rose from the dead, then his teachings would have to be taken seriously, resulting in repentance, faith, and conversion. So let's now look at the historical evidence of the resurrection on which the Christian faith is founded. The first has been alluded to before. The first disciples of Jesus didn't believe in his resurrection. Mary Magdalene, one of the women, immediately returned from the tomb when they found the stone rolled away and the body gone. Her initial conclusion was that the Romans or the Jews had stolen the body. On her way back, she related the news to Peter and John, who were on their way. When they arrived, they found the scene as she had said. Peter couldn't believe Jesus had risen, but interestingly, John did, the first believer in the resurrection. Mary Magdalene returned to the tomb where Jesus appeared to her by calling her a name in Aramaic, the way he had always named her. Then Mary believed because she had actually seen the risen Christ with her own originally unbelieving eyes, but now there was proof she could not do otherwise. And the proof of Jesus' resurrection is strongest in that he was seen by over 500 individuals. 500. That's more than here. On many occasions in the 40 days before his ascension. And we know in our nation, in Western countries, in legal cases, the strongest of evidence is to have witnesses for the defense or the prosecution. Any case with 500 witnesses is home and hosed. They could all say, I saw him. Again, consider the poignant instance of the unbelieving Thomas. He was absent on the first occasion of the risen Jesus appearing suddenly in their midst. And I've related the arrogant, unalterable challenge to their statement. A week later, when Thomas is with them in the upper room, still cowering in fear from the Roman and Jewish authorities, Jesus appears again and dramatically, can you imagine it, 
dramatically invites Thomas to do as he had boasted. We are not told that he actually did it, but we are told of his response, my Lord and my God. And that's what would one, one would expect, isn't it? If the risen Christ suddenly appeared before you, you would fall on your knees and confess that he was both your Lord and your God. But then there was the astonishing appearance of Jesus to the ten disciples the previous Sunday. We go back a week. There they were in the upper room with the doors locked for fear of the Jews when suddenly the risen Christ appears in their midst. At that point, they were confused, as Rob mentioned in the little book there, as to what had happened. Mary had said that she had seen Jesus. The women told them that the angels had revealed that he was risen. Just what were they to think about all this? Wasn't it impossible for a dead person to come back to life all by themselves? They were all unbelievers. Then Jesus suddenly appears. And their initial shock and fear, bewilderment and confusion, I won't use that big word again, gave way to joy and belief. Belief that Jesus had risen from the dead. Initially, they thought he was a ghost. But he showed them his hands and his side. And they realized that he was flesh and bone. He ate a fish to alleviate their unbelief. And there are other fascinating witness accounts in Scripture. But you can read those for yourself when you go home. We believe that Jesus rose from the dead on the third day, declaring his power over death and sin and hell and Satan, all our enemies. The truth is, he is the Son of God. He is my Lord and my God who died for my sins. Jesus invites you also this morning to believe in him and receive his peace and forgiveness for your soul. What will you do with the risen Jesus? Amen. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we do worship you this morning with hallelujahs and praises from our hearts and minds that you raised your son Jesus from the dead to show his victory over all our enemies. You showed that evidence to many, to over 500 individuals. We don't have to doubt whether Jesus rose because he has risen in our lives. He has conquered our sins and we know him. We know him personally as a personal God and saviour. 
Lord, in the power of that resurrection, we pray that we may go forth again this day to serve the living Jesus and be his true disciples. And if there are any here this morning who do not know him as their Lord and Saviour, their God, may they soon do so. We pray it for Jesus' sake. Amen.